Albion Online, Baby Driver, and Scythe. Not that one. This is staying in. So you had to complete a level... Your brother had to complete a level of Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. to get out of the escape room. That's it, yeah. So it's to find a clue I mean, to get us out of the escape room, yeah. Yeah. The, what I mean, I mean, did they like reprogram the, the Sonic game, or...? I don't know. I think they must have done. Well, I... Because basically what happened was that once he'd um, completed that level, it kind of cut to black and then two numbers appeared and they were part of a code that we had to submit elsewhere. Right. So, I I mean, it was a really good escape room. I'm always fascinated by escape rooms. And I know we've talked about it in the past and Sam is our kind of resident veteran of escape yeah. rooms. But yeah. I just find it absolutely fascinating where you've got... It, it, it's, it's a puzzle crossed with role-playing, but there's a kind of... There's an inherent theatricality to it because every time, obviously, a group finishes a room, somebody's got to go in and reset it as if, yeah, um, as if basically no one else has touched this space before. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm always, I'm always surprised by how ingenious some of the uh, solutions are. And I often think that the more and more I do with these things, the more jaded I be by them. I don't know. Maybe Sam is a bit jaded by them. Maybe you can see some of these things coming. But um, yeah, the novelty and the resourcefulness the puzzle makers have in creating some of these, and they're popping so, up everywhere now. I mean, you, we went, we did one in Bristol. That was my first one. We one we did in Bristol. There's a few in Bristol now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's one here in Liverpool. I know TikTok and Lock. I've not done that yet, but I might do that at some point. There's there's so this was your first. You, this was your parents' first escape room. Yes. And uh, obviously, you told them what it was going in. They yeah. didn't just. Yeah. Um, did, you didn't just lock them in a room no they were asking me all sorts of questions like how big's the room are you actually locked in is it like are we going to be like crawling through tunnels and that kind of thing is it going to be like yeah. crystal maze yeah yeah. I mean I, I don't know what my mum had in her head I think she was envisaging something like you know that science fiction film that Vincenzo Natale film The Cube right where, yeah okay or yep. Saw um, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you don't, it's twelve quid to come in. But if you don't get out, you will die. Yeah, um, and that was it. Like uh, a little clown puppet on a tricycle just wheels out of the darkness into the spotlight. <laughs> uh, oh, that'd be that'd be a good one actually. If they did a saw escape the room. Well, I did. We did. A, I did a similar one. I was on a stag do last year in Munich. Um, so we turned up there, and there was a big, it was a big group of us. So we were split into two rooms, and I was in the very sedate and very tranquil room, the art gallery, which was lovely, very relaxed, that kind of thing. Whereas the other group were in what appeared to be like a serial killer's room. They wake up in a butcher's <laughs> kind of abattoir, chain, handcuffed <laughs> together, chained together, and my mate Chivers was the only one who could reach the key. And uh, he's not the most dexterous of people. So a lot of the time was spent. They didn't get out in time. Because a lot of the time was spent was Chivers trying to get the key to unlock all of them. <laughs> right. And he, Fantastic. He, and he spent the night, the rest of the night in Munich drinking, covered in fake blood, um, <laughs> as they all were. Whereas we had a lovely... We were kind of wafting in the air of, you know, Leonardo da Vinci. It sounds like you had quite an activity-filled time yeah, then, recently. Definitely. Uh, went for a walk in the woods. My mum doesn't like footpaths, so she took us off the footpath. And we were just basically nice. hacking through the... Not hacking, but walking through the undergrowth. Um, I've, always, I've always said this about your mother. She's a maverick. She is a maverick. My, a renegade. My, my dad describes her as cheery but violent. <laughs> um... Off the, so we wandered off the beaten path, hilarious. Um, she's bought a scythe, you know. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. You sent me a very upsetting message on WhatsApp with this, um, and I'm going to put it on our Twitter at some point because you led me to believe that your mother had bought scythe, the intensely difficult, the Jamie Stegmar game. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the the very grand strategy game because they are big into their board games, so it would make sense, you know. Be... So it would make sense, and I was like, I'm very excited. This is the best thing ever. And then it turns out, no, it was an actual scythe. Yeah, from Austria. I didn't realise they still made scythes. Yes, she sent me loads of YouTube videos of how to use it, and it looks terrifying. As I left the, their house today, my dad was assembling it and measuring her, measuring it against my mum to make sure the handles at the right level for her. She's just, I mean, like, she's so, like, she's almost foaming at the mouth. She just can't wait to get out there and start what, swiping this scythe around. What will she be, what, I mean, what is she scything? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, just there's lots of lots of brambles and long grass in the fields outside the back of the garden. I mean, she looking at her, she looks like a cross between Mary Berry and the Grim Reaper. <laughs> just flailing this thing around, but she's been practicing yeah. the technique and everything. But it, honestly, it's a proper scythe, like yeah. razor sharp. Is it like yeah? But is it now? When you say scythe, I immediately, I immediately think the sort of scythe that Mort from Discworld holds. Yeah. Is it like brown wood, silver, you know, silver blade? Is it that? Yeah. Or is there like, oh, okay. Because I was thinking like modern technology, you would have thought that somebody would have gone, oh, how can we reinvent the scythe? I'll I'll forward you the message now, actually. I've got got an image. I took an image today of my mum getting measured up for the scythe, so it should appear in your WhatsApp now. Excellent, excellent. Um, but it, it it's extraordinary. Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna describe this. I mean obviously you'll be able to see it on Twitter, but yeah, this is this is absolutely incredible. I mean it is just a full on wooden scythe. Yep. I mean I mean obviously there's a metal bit to the scythe as well. And so you have to get it so do you have to get it like measured up then? Yeah. So basically what that 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 the first handle I think has to be measured up with her hip bone. And my mother is right. about I don't know four and a half foot tall. I'm not very good at measurements, right. but she's not very big. Right. She's not, she's not tall. Put it this way. Right. Okay. okay. Um, so I, <laughs> it's just, I mean, all people will probably see will be this scythe in the air. They won't be able to see who's holding it because for the long grass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they'll think they'll think my time has come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a look of resignation on their face. All good things come to an end. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I guess this metaphor is literal. I've been doing on my weekend. I would love Chris. to know, Pete. I would well, love to know. Listen, what I've been trying to do recently is I, for various for various reasons, I have uh, been working very very hard, and and I don't just mean in the last six months. I mean over the last five years. <laughs> and so I've been, and so I've sort of got to the point where I've gone. I need to figure out how to relax. I need to figure out how to take things at my own pace. To not Chris, as you were saying the other day, to not obsess over things and to not, you know, get really into them. It's okay to just have a kind of passing yeah, interest. To in dip things. your toe in the water. To dip your toe into the water. So to to achieve that, I've decided that I'm going to start an MMO. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. So a I mean, obviously, and frothy genre of gaming. Just, just you sort of like you know a couple of hours Casual, dip in, dip out. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. So basically, I uh, I saw this. I've seen this. I've seen this MMO for a little while now. It's a game called Albion Online. Yes, I've been looking at this. So this is this is um, Sandbox Interactive, and I'd never heard of them before, and I'd like I'd. I can't even remember how I actually saw Albion online. I think, I think it was just like some random post on Twitter or something like that. And I think it was just, oh, this looks really cool. There's lots of cross-platform play. I was like, mm, okay, an MMO with cross-platform play. Okay, that sounds interesting. Whatever. I'll go and have a look at this thing. And the idea is that Albion Online. So it's an MMO. It's an open-world player choice MMO. So it's not what's called that I. I, I I hope I get this right. I'm not very into MMOs at all. I, I only just recently tried Eve Online, and that just scared me too much. So I, I walked away from it. Um, it's not what's called a theme park MMO, and a theme park MMO is unfortunately not theme park and as an MMO. That would be amazing. I would love to play Bullfrog's uh, theme park as an MMO. What it is is like it's like as far as I understand it, it's like World of Warcraft, those kinds of games, whereby there's like sets of content. So it's like, you're gonna go on a quest, and when you go on the quest, you'll see this thing. And when you see the thing, there isn't really a lot else to do there, but you've done the thing there, and that's fun. So it's kind of like a theme park, where it's like, it's constantly trying to show you a new thing to keep you entertained, to keep you in, so that when they show you the new piece of content, you know, you're not bored, you've not not churned away from the game. This is not that. Uh, This is a game much more like a very old game called Ultima Online, where, the idea is that every player in Albion Online 
can basically just choose the profession and path that they want to go on. So you can choose a whole bunch of different uh, paths, and you you never it none, choosing one of them never stops you from pursuing others. But if you focus, then you'll really get good at that one profession. So for example, farming. You might want to be a person who farms. And if you can farm, then you, you, you can create food um, through a really rigorous crafting system. This, this crafting system, by the way, goes throughout the entire game. Like there's metal that you can, that you can, there's metal ore that you can get, and then you can refine it into, into, into little bars. And then you can combine it with wood, which has been turned from rough wood into like planks. And then you can combine those together and then you can have like a, a knife or a scythe, I guess like a scythe maybe. I don't know if there's a scythe in there, that'd be good. So this crafting system is everywhere, but if you want to go down the farming route, then you can produce food. And if you produce food, then you can, I think you can feed, you could feed people with it and that gives them energy in some capacity. I, I don't quite understand that area myself at the moment. Um, Cause I'm literally two and a half, three hours into this thing. Um, so you really have stuck your toe in the water. I really have stuck my toe in the water. I mean, most of the games I kind of like are about six to seven hours long. So I'm really halfway through what I would usually play. Wow. Um, so like this MMO is, uh, you know, obviously it's an MMO, um, and and uh, so what I'm sort of groping towards here is, you can be a farmer, you can be a warrior, you could be a hunter, you could be a whatever you want. Uh, you could be, if you wanted, you could be a, a a part of a caravansary. Is that what it's called? Where you basically like travel across the land, taking stuff. Okay. To up to other places. Maybe it's not called that. I don't know. Um, so. So you could do any of these these roles, but the reason that those roles exist is because the economy is completely player driven. So if you aren't producing food, then food isn't available. If you aren't making knives, then people have to make them themselves rather than go and buy them from the store. There's no just somebody hanging out selling you knives. The entire economy is driven by the players. And that means that those roles are really, really important because there are different areas, this map is Massive. I've seen literally one little fragment of an area of it. Two, actually, two little fragments of areas. Uh, one base camp and one sort of slightly more wilderness area. And there are different levels of security in these in these areas. One of them is like you are completely safe. You can't be attacked. And then in all of the other ones, it's PvP. So uh, players can attack you. You can attack players. Uh, and if you kill a player, you can take all their things. All of them. Everything that's on them. Gone. Like, brutal. Absolutely brutal. So, how does this then, like, come back into the farmer's, trader's route? So, these people who carry stuff from land to land, if you if you carry your goods from area to area, you don't have to pay a tariff on it. Uh, whereas if you use this little teleporting system and stuff, the taxes are, like, really high, so you don't really make any profit. Whereas if you if you actually physically transport it, and the the, the the length that this will take you to get from one area to another is hours, I should say. Once you go from area to area, then you get through essentially Scott, you know, tax-free. So there's lots and lots of money to be made for people who are prepared to carry that cargo somewhere. But then there's equally money to be made from people who will rob you of everything that you own, right? And if you're carrying other people's stuff, then you're in real trouble. Because if you lose all of your stuff, then clearly you now owe somebody a whole bunch of money. So there are thieves on the on the highways. So to get rid of the thieves, you want to defend yourself. But if you've been pursuing down the I'm somebody who takes stuff from this place to another place channel, you're probably not that great a fighter. So now you have to hire fighters who have specifically gone down the warrior route to come with you. But of course, they could completely backstab you. They could actually be a part of the they could actually be a member of the the thieves guild. So, so you can see how like all of these real-world things start to build up on this game. Like I say, I'm like, uh, like three or four hours into this game, um, and it's it's bonkers how like ambitious it is. So I mentioned earlier that it was cross-platform play. I started looking into that. This game is this game is available for PC, Mac, and Linux. Uh, you can play it on browser, I think. It's available on Android, and it's also going to be coming to iOS at some point in the near future wow. and all of them all of them it's the same game and all of them every player in the game is playing on the same shard so you are playing on the same server as literally everybody who's in the game so if you 
screw somebody over, there's no like, ha ha ha, I'm gonna move to another server and take all of my stuff with me. You're now wanted, basically. Like somebody's gonna be coming after you to get their stuff back. So this, so it's massively cross-platform play, really, really ambitious, lots of player economy, big decisions that you wanna be making. But here's the thing, Chris. I was really worried when I started picking it up that it was gonna absolutely drain all of my time um, and that it was gonna be this huge commitment again, which I really wanted to avoid. It's weirdly dip in, dip out. Like, I had it playing in the background just before we started the podcast recording. I just played it for 15 minutes, went over, chopped some trees, hunted some foxes, got some skin pelts, got some metal, mined some ore. It's like, brilliant, I'll have that. Took that back, got myself a new hammer. That took me 20 minutes. And I just sat there and I was listening to a podcast while I was doing it. Because I was like, great, I'm just going to chill out and do this thing. So it's sort of starting to become this slightly therapeutic, chill out, relax, do, you know, do whatever you want, uh, sort of um, uh, sort of a game. Which is, yeah. That's it's, really surprising. Yeah, it's bizarre because whenever I've played MMOs, I've not really enjoyed them at all. But do you think that's partly also because you're doing it solo? you don't know anyone else who's playing the game so you can literally go at your own pace you're not waiting on any of us to say join you or respond to you you can literally do your is, own thing yeah yeah no absolutely but here's the really cool thing um if you were to so let's so i've already put four hours into the game right like if you were to put if you personally were to put 15 minutes into the tutorial we'd then immediately be in the same space and uh there's no level gaps uh, no level caps so like in the areas that I'm going into, you can come with me. And there's no story. Right. Like, so there there are quests that you can go on, but it's, you know, it's quite light. It's a really sort of like light touch. And like, I can just go, hey, do you want this, this super fancy pants hammer? Because that's gonna allow you to mine this specific ore that we're gonna go over here. And then basically I give you a head start. Like, and yes, I've been able to dip in and dip out, but there's no like, oh, well, I've got to wait from, like, obviously, you know, we've, we've tried to be, playing Borderlands and like you know if we if you don't play that together you miss a whole bunch of the story together yeah whereas this it's like what all you're missing is just like looking for resources and going out and hunting and doing all, all this sort of stuff there's no you don't get you don't your you know your hit points don't particularly they don't increase with level because basically you get better weapons rather than like increasing skill as it were as far right. as I, as far as I can tell, that that that's how so the it's more about works. the crafting. So again, like it's more about the crafting. It's more about you making specific decisions about what it is that you want to do in the game. And here's the other thing, and this is one of the things that I want to keep going and see how flexible this is. Apparently, you can buy a farm, you can own an island, and you can buy actual space in the map that's just yours. It's like. It's your land, it's your house, it's your farm, it's your whatever. Like, you own that space, and you're therefore responsible for it. Like, isn't that, isn't that a fantastic idea? It's like, you could, because you could absolutely find a hypothetical situation where you and me and Sam and Dan, whoever, we all just become pro farmers, take ourselves away. Like, all we're doing is farming, just like ultra high level Zen master farmers. This entire climactic battle's happening somewhere else, and all we're doing is just making crops for people to eat and do all that stuff. We're like the we hobbits in the Shire. We are the hob. We could be the hobbits in the Shire, Chris. Right. Yeah. So that that to me is like super exciting. So I'm gonna. Um, I've been playing on my desktop PC. I'm gonna put it onto my laptop, and I think kind of sit with it and like sit with it on like on the couch and hang out with my girlfriend, chill out, and be like, I'm gonna play this thing, and like do it while you're watching TV. I might even put it on my, I'm gonna see if I can get it running on my Android tablet. Cause I would love to just sit that, sit back on the couch and be like, boop, 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 computers on the couch and doing some RPG leveling. That'd be fun. Incredible. Um, but, I think like, it looks really smooth. Um, yeah, it's, it's, so a couple, it's, it's a couple of years old, isn't it, this game? No, 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 not at all. So visually, I, I, think, I think you'd be well within your rights to think it looks a couple of years old because Visually, it's super low poly. Like yeah. this thing is built to run on everything, and because it's so many character, because it's a single shard, because there are so many players potentially. I mean, you theoretically could have every player in the game in your screen at any one time. So, like, you need to be able to. The game needs to be able to account for the amount of polys that's going to be flying around if that happens. So it does look. It doesn't look. It doesn't look hyper detailed, but it looks good. 
Like it doesn't it doesn't look bad at all. The character customization is a little bit a little bit like um, basic, but I'm not too bothered about that. And again, you're not you're probably not zoomed in far enough to actually look at that sort of stuff. Anyway, I'm going to report back on this at some point because I realise I played like three or four hours of it, and that's not really enough time to sort of say, oh, I really like it, or oh, I'm not really having a fun time, or whatever. But so far, it's really enjoyable. That's I think I think what what really interests me is that in a bid to make yourself more relaxed and yep. chill out, you chose an yep. MMO. Right, uh, and was it because you'd heard about Albion Online? You felt actually that's the one for me, or was it just that you felt this genre in particular is one that helps you chill out more? No, I mean it's no, God no. MMOs make me stressed out most of the time. Like I played Neverwinter, and I was just like sat there going, "I'm just, I have no idea what I'm doing." Like when we played DC Universe Online, the number of just pop-up boxes going left, oh, right, gosh, and centre, absolutely everywhere, just stresses me back out. It's infuriating. But but I guess the reason I wanted to check out Albion Online is it has this promise of like somewhat pseudo spiritual uh, successor to Ultima Online player choice. It's a and and for me that's what I love about MMOs. I don't want to do a single player game with a load of other people all around. Like that to me isn't fun. So like games like uh, Guild Wars and uh, Old Republic and. Um, and that, that those kinds of games they don't really interest me whereas games like EVE Online like Albion Online they do interest me because I'm, I'm all about how does an online community shift and change the landscape upon which it is playing the game mm -hmm. um, and that yeah that to me is absolutely huge but yeah I f and I found it the offshoot of it is it's weirdly relaxing yeah um, now I will say this I haven't been ganked by anybody yet I haven't been smashed by some horrible arsehole and had all my stuff taken I was about to ask so. what's the community like nice really nice so far like there's the usual like the so you there's a little chat window and you see stuff like streaming through and because it's incredibly popular like I'm playing it at the moment and it's it's launched I think maybe a couple of weeks ago it's been in beta for a while it's really really just heaving at the moment loads and loads of people but because I've got the chat on you see all the chat you just see tons and tons of stuff like flying through but there's not there's not too much bad stuff and no one's being horrible there's a lot of people who really want to you to join their group of people so for example i saw one advert saying oh come and join our like we've got an island like come and join our island uh, and you can hang out with us and be in our guild and we'll give you a load of free stuff and i was like cool i mean i'm not going to do that because i want my own island but um but yeah, so so it seems it seems friendly enough at the moment, and there's also very few ways, like apart from the PvP elements, when you're in dangerous territories, there's not really any way to sort of muck anybody about, which is quite nice. So that's that. I've been I've been yeah chilling out with a nice big, lengthy meaty MMO. So. Chris, what does remain of Edith Finch? Um, <laughs> or is that a spoiler? It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a kind of a spoiler, yeah. Um, right. it's, just, it's not often that I play a game that comes out that that, that, um, that has recently just come out. Mm -hmm. And this game came out in April of Xbox One. And then it okay. was... Then it, um, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, it was, it's this year anyway. So I played it on PS4. Um, I've had a particular interest recently in what has been kind of derogatory called, um, or kind of called an insulting name, manner, um, walking simulators. Right. So that's like Dear Esther. Yeah, um, Dear Esther. I mean, loving, I've been particularly interested and fascinated by the articles on Rock Paper Shotgun, uh, which yeah. has really been one of the kind of bastions or defenders of walking sims and has actually written quite a lot about what is a walking sim what isn't a walking sim and they came to the conclusion actually that the arrestor wasn't a walking sim which i'm quite interested by um even though i think it is because all you're ostensibly doing is just literally walking there's no real interactivity in that game right. per se but anyway so i became really interested in walking sims uh, we talked about before about my love with for uh, everybody's gone to the rapture mm -hmm. um which i adore so I'm really kind of ploughing through a list. I'm amassing a list of walking sims at the moment. You sims at the moment, which you very kindly helped me with, and I'm working my way through them. So mm. I'm finished. What remains of Edith Finch? I've got Stanley Parable, um, which I've oh. started, and oh. I've got waiting for me the Vanishing of Ethan Carter as well on PS4 to play. But nice. um, nice. Edith Finch is a really—it's a beautiful game. Essentially, you literally walk. There's a little bit of interactivity. Uh, of opening doors and books 
and things um, but ostensibly you're walking and you're listening and a story is told to you and it's about what happened to this quite eccentric um, family called the the Finches okay. and you you play the character of Edith Finch it's told through her eyes it's first person as she is returning to her house which she'd left a long time ago her family home and um, for mysterious reasons she was forced to leave this home and it's about her returning to this home and trying to uncover this mysterious curse that has plagued the Finch family and as she walks around this house it's basically been hand built by her family and all these various different rooms have been added to it throughout the years this patchwork quilt of a house which is very unique and you're finding secret passages and you're you're uncovering the rooms of old members of the family and finding their kind of their last will and testament as to what happened to them Mm. you you go into these kind of strange kind of surreal kind of experiences which throughout the ages I don't really want to spoil it too much because it is okay. a, I don't want to say it's a unique game because that's everything's unique nowadays um, where everything calls itself unique um, but there's there's some there's some genuinely really interesting moments that it does so I think you'd really appreciate it going it does some very interesting things with the the mechanics of game playing and it's always lovely when the mechanic and the, 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 the narrative just have mm. this wonderful hand in glove relationship because that's that's one of the things with with walking simulators. The the thing that sets the good ones from the bad is, I, I think narrative is really important, or just just sense of space. Yeah. But it's also about how they can mechanically feel satisfying. Like it's not enough to to simply give somebody space to move around or, or the freedom to move around in a space right like for me i found um i found a game called uh it's actually it's a game called fatal uh, by tale of tales which i really loved the graveyard by yeah. them um which is a walking simulator simulator i suppose um but i really didn't like fatal because it gave me like way too much freedom it's kind of like airy fairy not really crystallizing any uh, any of its ideas not really giving you the focus of like look at this thing whereas like games like Dear Esther and uh, 30 Flights of Loving and that kind of thing they are really good at manipulating the player to look at the thing that they want you to look at like you think that you're being very very smart and oh sort of directing your own theatrical performance of this game but you're actually just following the rules like the following what the director of the game actually wants you to be looking at um but i really like it when they when the, those games mechanically actually sync up in 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 that way um so does so i mean is that is that the case here is it like a is it a very directed experience or is it much more freeform like how does that it's it's directed in the sense that it's a bit in some respects it's a bit like um everybody's gone to the rapture so in everybody gone to the rapture you are in the little village of yorton vale i think it is um and essentially you can walk around this town there's nothing stopping you from backtracking in fact there are like little shortcuts like footpaths that take connect to the various different parts of it which you can take um there's nothing to stop you from backtracking at all but there is a there is a sense of direction as to the preferred direction the game would like right. you to go. It's the same right, for right, this. Right. So you don't feel completely cheated. Um, in some respects, it does stretch credulity. But this is a game which is um, incredibly fantastical in places anyway. So you you accept that. Yeah. So it, it it's directed by the sense of what it does with the geography. There is a path that you can follow. It. And it, it, it intertwines and snakes around this house and doubles back on itself in places, but you don't feel like you're being forced to retrace your steps. It does it in a very it's, interesting way. It's like there's a little, a gentle hand from the director that you exactly can slightly feel, but not, but not like a shove. Yeah. Um, that's so it. okay, that's something. I, mean, I don't, I don't want to spoil too much about. No, that but game. I recommend it. I mean, this is from a This is from the same company, Giant Sparrow, who did the Unfinished Swan, which I didn't play. The Unfinished Swan. Did you not play that? No, I didn't. Okay, that's yeah, that's an interesting one. I, that's definitely worth playing. Okay, is that the same kind of thing, a walking sim? Not quite. Um, it's the unfinished one is a game where you paint your world. the The space around you is blank, and then when you start firing, essentially firing these paintballs, <laughs> um, you're essentially covering the space in color. 
like very splatted color so it's very different it looks like each time you play through it you'll have a different work of art as it were um, and you have to navigate your way around this space uh, by figuring out where things are so you can just run you can just if you wanted to you could theoretically run around the entire space if you knew it perfectly without ever th throwing down a piece of uh, piece of paint but then you would miss these really beautifully put together um, uh, pieces of architecture it's really it's really a game about um, world literal world building and video game designer world building wow um, it's it's a, it's it's a game about that sort of stuff have you got um so you got you've got stanley parable on the list yeah um have you got uh have you got uh 30 flights of loving on the list i'm just going to consult the list now i, I don't consult think the list. 30 flights of loving 30 flights Bear with me a second and and I, I should probably add quite selfishly if any listener has a walking simulator that they've played that they feel I would really appreciate playing, let me know because Tweet. this is a passion of mine. It really is. I'm fascinated by walking sims. And okay. it's just games where essentially you walk. And it's generally ones, as you said, that have a particular emphasis on narrative that yep. there's minimal interactivity in terms of you may have to occasionally open a door. I'm not talking about like quite dense puzzles, puzzle games like The Witness, for example. To some extent, that is yeah. a walking sim. You walk around, but that is very puzzle heavy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of friction there. Um, so I'm really looking at games in which it is literally just walking around, almost like promenading, like one is in a gallery space, for example. Mm. So I've got. A, I've, so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm keeping a little list and I'm ticking them off as I'm playing them. I'm trying right. to make sense as to certain patterns that are shared between them. Like a lot of them are set on islands or in very remote locations. Um, Thirty Flights of Loving is that on here? When was that made? Yes, I have got done here by Brendan Chung in 2012 by Blendo Games. Yep. That's a first person, yep, and it's set in a city. That is on my list. Good. I've got Knitten, which is an upcoming game soon. Oracle, which is this mm -hmm. year at some point. Tacoma, um, Empathy, Path of Witnesses, Sacramento, Ambient Mixtape 16, which is an indie um, venture. Abduction, Gone Home is obviously on my list. I've not played that yet. Have you not played Gone Home? No. I'm waiting for it to come mm. down in price on PlayStation 4. Nice. Uh, Virginia, I don't know. Yep. Um, Soma, Sam was talking about that the other day. Um, Sunset, which is a Taylor Tales game. Um, I Yes, I played that. This had mixed reviews. I'd love to know what you think of it. So Sunset is a game about... It's about a civil war in a South American country, and uh, you play the cleaner who goes into a house every day, um, and she, uh, you, you only ever see the elevator that takes you to the house, and then the house itself. It's more of a flat, really. Um, so, you, like, uh, you go in, and you are tasked every day with doing uh, a number of tasks, uh, literally chores. So, clean the clean the floor, put away the books. Um, and to do that, it's literally a single button click. So it's not like you're, it's not like, um, uh, it's not like you're actually clean, literally clean, physic, you know, there's like a physics simulation of a mop or anything like that. Yeah, you just click the thing and then you do, you do the thing. Um, and then it slowly unfurls its narrative about, about this civil war about this unrest, I should say, um, that's happening. Um, and it's played through the lens of like this, I want to say it's like 60s and 70s era, um, revolutionary ideas and literature and music and how all of those things kind of combine. Um, uh, it's better than Fatal, but it's, it's and it's it's just not, it's, it's, it's a walking sim where, where you're definitely a character and you get to make decisions for that character I never felt like the decisions I made were genuine for the character and the game allows you to like quite easily so so some of the things my character would say I just I just didn't agree with I just if I was that person in that space at that time I would not have been saying some of the things that that person would be saying okay like and so I found it quite jarring okay. especially because it's in first person it's like you know these i mean i'm sure you know 
I'm sure it's not a spoiler with the Bioshock series. Like, with the Bioshock series, there is a reveal about who you are. And, like, so it's been a while since video games have said, by the way, you're actually this person, shock horror. You know, I, I'm okay with that. I've been okay with that since the original Metroid. But, like, like this... The, the disparity between what the character thinks and what I think the character would think in that situation isn't quite the same thing. It's worth playing, that's the thing. It's absolutely worth seeing to go, oh, there's some really cool ideas here. Not not brilliantly executed, but some really cool ideas. Okay, on on your list, have you got a game called Jazz Punk? Right, now, I wasn't sure whether to add Jazz Punk to my list. Right. It looks, it, it looks, well, you know how lots of walking simulators have a particular style of presentation, a particular aesthetic? Jazz yep. Punk seems to just throw that completely out the window. Yep, 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 yep. And you should 100% play it. Okay. Because, because of, like, partly for that reason, because it doesn't look like one of these. Like, after a while with walking sims, I always, I found myself getting really tired of, I get it, someone died and it was sad and now we're walking around an island. Like That's like, why they don't tend to outstay their welcome usually. They're usually quite short and sweet. Because they're quite short. But but once you play them in, if you play them in quick succession, a lot of them, you just this sort of like there's only so much wistful piano music that I can take. Whereas whereas with with jazz punk, it's a it's a walking simulator that's hilarious. Like okay, like that's a great. You, I'll, I'll take that as just the review. That's great. I love that. It, that's you've already piqued my curiosity. It's brilliant. That. It's it's one of the funniest games I've ever played. It's got one of the. F- it's got right here, and here's the beauty of games, Chris. And this is what this is what gets me out of bed every morning. Right? Games are so powerful and incredible and flexible a medium. They are wonderful. They are so powerful a medium that in jazz punk, just the movement of a camera, and remember, this game is played in first person. Just the camera being moved in one specific situation is one of the funniest jokes in all video games. Okay. And it's it's this tiny little thing. It's this camera move and a sound effect. And it is... I had to stop playing. I was laughing so hard. It's it's so good. It's just so good. Anyway. It, like, and again, I, if, I, love, I love the idea that in the morning when your alarm goes off at seven, it's not like what yeah. mine is, which is like this, this trilling sound. Yours is... <laughs> A, re- a recording of you going, games are a flexible and powerful medium. <laughs> games are a flexible and powerful medium. Yeah, yeah. Snooze. I mean, that gets me right out. No, never okay. snooze. No, Straight never out snooze. of bed. Just let it play. Yeah, just let, let it play. play. Go to war, go to work with it. I we talk about video games a fair bit on the podcast, don't we? But but I will say this, um, we, we sort of try and keep it like mixed up a bit. I'm going to fly in the face of that and tell you about uh, another game that I've been playing. In fact, actually, it was a game that... You remember how... Uh, well, basically, last ep- the last episode was uh, where we all got together. And yep. now Sam and Dan have fucked off. I've no idea where they are this evening. I don't either, actually. Sam sent me a message the other day saying he had a trousers problem. <laughs> and that was prefixed by a text message which said, Do you have a bow tie? I said, yeah. I mean, that's I, yeah. I had, I sure. had nothing in response. That's not going to fix a trouser problem. And we were supposed to hang out this Friday. Um, well, literally. If, and yeah, uh, yeah. I said, sorry, can't make it. Trousers problem. I was like, okay. Yeah, fine. Um, Didn't query but, it. I, I, no, d- don't with Sam. Um, I just like the idea that we all got together for a really nice time, and like Dan and Sam have been like, that's enough of them. Yeah, um, I've met the, my quota. Yeah, got the fill. Um, but um, I, I was actually playing this game. Um, it's called. Let me remind myself because I always forget it. Oh, is that Metric and Imperial? Metric or Imperial? Metric oh. and Imperial. Do you know what? I don't know if that's a clever joke. I mean, it's a clever joke from you, Chris. But I actually don't know if this is a clever joke from the developer. What if it is? Maybe oh, it's got the- to be. Chris, are we the only ones to know this? Um, this isn't going to be like. It isn't going to be like Papa the Rapper again. Well, yeah, or, or Phoenix Down. Um, no. Okay, so this is called Miles and Kylo. I think it's Kylo? Kilo? I, I thought it's Kilo. Miles Kilo? and Kilo. Is in like Miles but, and Kilometers? Uh, yeah, no, but that's the... Oh, man. Maybe it is Miles and Kilometers. 
Oh, Chris, my mind has been blown. Oh, I desperately need to know whether or not that's real. Okay, anyway. Okay, so, Miles and Kylo. I always get the name wrong because um, I always think it's Miles and Kyles or Milo and Kylo. I th like, maybe Miles and Kyles wouldn't be so good. But um, So this is uh, by the same developer who made a game called Kid Trip. That might might have come across your radar before, Chris. It has Kid come Trip. across my radar. I've heard of it, yeah. Okay, so um, it... Kid Trip is a legendarily difficult mobile game. It's a um, auto runner platformer, and uh, that game was great. And I hated every single second of playing it because uh, it basically had a lives system, which meant that you couldn't learn the learn yeah. the layout of the actual level itself. Miles and Kylo. Let me remind myself. Yes, Miles and Kylo uh, is also an auto runner. It's also balls out hard. Uh, but it gets rid of the live system entirely, and I've I've been playing it a whole bunch. Uh, it looks when brutal. It's yeah, like you know how you know how, and to some extent, fair enough. Like some people sort of sort of like, oh, mobile games are really easy. Like oh, whatever, not proper, you know, not proper video games. Miles and Kylo um, is one of the hardest games I've ever played, um, and you know, I've been playing games since I was three. Uh, it's so uh, so an auto runner. You're running from left to right. The screen is scrolling with you. So if you've not played video games for a while, it's like Mario Brothers, except the the screen continues to to roll with you, and you do not have control over. You can't stop. You can't turn left. You it's can't like do Rayman. It's like Rayman Jungle Run. If you've played that on the mobile telephones, it's like yeah, Rayman Jungle Run. It's like. Temple Run. It's stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of like one of those. It's got these really cutesy visuals that look like they've been ripped out of uh, not Super Nintendo, kind of like an enhanced NES or, an, or yeah. a Master System or something like that. It's like, it's not quite 16-bit, but it's not 8-bit no. either. And it's the same with the music as well. And the music is, yeah, I mean just, yeah. And you'll hear it a lot, because you'll die a lot. Because um, basically, there's, there's there's two controls. There's you tap the left hand side of the screen, and you tap the right hand side of the screen. And the right hand side generally does something that's kind of like low, like a roll or a slide, or sometimes a a hit. Um, and the left hand side jumps, uh, by and large. So uh, the the levels start out quite tricky and just get harder from there. Um, you are you find yourself like jumping over chasms and throwing fruit at bad guys, uh, and uh, one hit and you're dead. Obviously, um, the platforming is like almost pixel perfect at times. Like you just have to be on it, and the game just basically the the whole feedback loop is you will die a bunch, and like in Dark Souls, you will learn from it. Like that's all that, all that whole Tom point. Cruise film. Which I, I know is pointless me mentioning it here because no one else is here that knows films. Mission Impossible? No. It's Mummy? The, it's um, Vanilla Sky? It's the one in which he dies loads and he keeps coming back. Groundhog Day? Not Groundhog. No, we had this conversation on a previous podcast. So I'm not going to talk about it anymore. What, Groundhog Day? No. <laughs> yeah, ironically, yeah, I'm experiencing it all over again, the Groundhog <laughs> Day moment. Um, I literally don't know which movie Live, Die, Repeat about. is what it became known as. That's a Bond movie. That's Live and Let Die with Timothy Dalton. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, not Live and Let Die, sorry. That's, sorry, Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton. Live and Let Die was Roger Moore. It was his first Bond film. Was it? Yeah. Well, there we are. I've learned there something new. Sorry, um, pray continue. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, this, the little, the pla basically, I don't know why the developer didn't bother getting the Tom Cruise license and slapping his face over uh, uh, Miles. Um, so, basically, Miles and Kylo, they are, it's a human boy and uh, a dog. And basically, um, when you are running normally, you're like Miles, uh, and sometimes you combine the two, and it's Miles and Kylo, and then they, they have different actions uh, when they're combined together. Sometimes you combine together halfway through a level, sometimes you start with one another. Um, and it's basically just, it's I, I, basically, yeah, just super hard and a... Uh, I couldn't imagine doing this on mobile. Oh, I'm, looking, oh. I'm looking at playthroughs of it now, and no, it's perfect. on a tiny screen, yeah, well, you no, have to be, as you say, pixel perfect. But you, but you, but the, your thumbs take up such a tiny fragment, and also you're not holding run. You're not holding your fingers no, over the screen. No, that's true. Like that. But it's just. Even I know what you mean. So. But but honestly, it's one of those games whereby 
you might think, oh, I don't, I don't know how I would how I'd see that because I would want to see everything coming like really quickly. But again, it's this. You know, this is a follow-up to a game that is very much like this, and I think that the lessons learned from Kid Trip absolutely have come through, and it's a much better game for it. Like, I, I, I liked Kid Trip well enough, but, but Mars and Kylo really is just a different level of... It's difficult, but it's way more approachable than Kid Trip, and it takes the sensibilities that have been learned there and makes makes it, yeah, far more accessible, uh, far more... Uh, yeah, and, and, and even more suited for a mobile telephone. I haven't talked about mobile games in ages. I like. Yeah, haven't. I, I like that. I, Is that I, just I, because Sam and Dan aren't here? Yeah. Oh, sometimes I tell Dan about some game, mobile games that he should be playing, and we found Star Realms. He's still not playing Star Realms. I, I've had to. I know we talk about Star Realms in every single podcast, but I've had to think very carefully about maybe stepping away from it for a bit because I've gotten quite obsessed with it. Like I'm yeah. currently playing the campaign on hard. Really? <laughs> I've nearly finished the first one. Um, Oh just gosh, like I got is. quite obsessed with it. That's Me, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is and it isn't. Um, <laughs> and like I, I have like four games on the go, and I just I find it very hard to just to remember which strategy I've got in each of them. Really, so it's using yeah. a different part of my brain. Um, but it, it is, oh, it's so good. It's so good. So good. And there was a Kickstarter. There's a Kickstarter currently, isn't there? I don't think we talked about the Kickstarter. Yeah, there's Kickstarter live at the moment. I wasn't that enamoured by it as a Kickstarter, I must admit. It looks all right. I just... Um, I, I'm I'm tempted, but I just think... Do you know what? I, I actually... Pref- like, I really like the physical version, but I've got the base physical version, and that's enough for me. Yeah, Whereas so. with the mobile one, I would actually consider I'm actually considering getting some of the expansions for the mobile version, uh, just to have a bit more variety in my game. But yeah, um, some of the events or gambits are good though in the physical version. It mixes yeah. if you're playing with two people that are, are very experienced players of the game to have yeah. that something that's just a random wild card thrown into the mix. It just spices uh, things adds, up. Yeah, exactly. Adds a degree of chance into it. Makes it a little bit more yeah. interesting. Yeah, I might I might grab some of those. Um, but yeah, I, I I I agree with you. I'm I'm hideously addicted to Star Arms on on a mobile, and um, yeah, need to maybe maybe step away from it for just a little bit. I mean, we need to we need to finish up tickets, right? So we do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, and then oh god, then the Battle of Polytopia is getting mo- uh, multiplayer soon. I know. I know. Oh god, Chris. I, I think we should just give our jobs up. Well, fortunately, I finished teaching for the summer. Um, so I, this is the time in which I tend to binge on things everyone else watched over <laughs> the rest of the time. So things like Westworld, for example, um, Game of Thrones is back on, which I'm, I've got to catch up with the first two episodes of that so I can talk to Dan about it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so this is my time to binge. Really. I'm actually going so, through the X-Files on Amazon Prime now on season two. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I love it. love the X-Files. Love it's it. the tr- here's the question. Is the truth out there? I haven't got a clue, to be honest. Um, no. no. I don't know if it's in here, either. That's even more sinister, I think. Ooh. If the truth's not out there, it's got to be in here. It's got to be in here with us. Yeah, that's really creepy. So, what? So obviously you've got time Trust off. everyone. Trust everyone. Just do <laughs> the that. The truth's in here. Trust everyone. <laughs> I'm reading The Circle at the moment, which I'll report back on at some point, possibly, which is really interesting. Have you ever heard of this? Dave Edgar's... Is it about? I think. Is it about it's, magic? It's basically about a world where you've got this corporation, which is essentially like Google, but like Google possibly ten years down the line. It's like an alternative future for Google, or is it a future? I don't know. Um, where um, this you the here the, the protagonist of the story has just got a, a, a job at this company called the Circle, and they're essentially one of these huge global corporations which has their um, fingers in several pies. Um, um, health, technology, everything. Can they recruit the best of the best? And it's this lovely kind of caring, utopian dream of this this brain trust of people. And she just gets succumbs to it. She just falls in love with this wonderful kind of large community where everyone's transparent, nothing's secret. And they're developing these technologies. Yeah, we developed this camera called the Lollipop, which can anyone can own dirt cheap. And you can record and stream everything on the planet if you want to. Just plonk it somewhere. It's hidden. It's a hidden camera. Transparency. It's great. And she just goes, yeah. 
Um, and she's got this screen where she has to handle customer services, but then she's given each, the longer she's there, she's given extra screens. Okay, this screen's for your work. The second screen is for your line manager to send you messages about you meeting your targets. This third screen is about you um, seeing how your ratings are doing. You know, you've got to like loads of comments um, from your colleagues and things to boost your popularity rating and tag loads of pictures, all these kind of things. This extra screen is you filling in um, your responses to different products you own, um, which will really boost productivity in the company as a whole. And more screens mm. keep getting added. And there's this wonderful scene, like very early on, where she's called into her office for like a disciplinary by her supervisor. She says, I understand, I know, you know why you're here, don't you? And she says, I, I don't know. And she looks in the corner, there's this guy in the corner with his head in his hand, she says, this is Gary, but I don't need to introduce him, you know why you're here. It's like, no, he says, um, Gary, you, you know about Gary's Portuguese brunch that he put on? No, he says, well, you should have done. You were meant to be there. And she's like, I don't understand. I don't know Gary. I didn't know about his Portuguese brunch. And basically, she mentioned one upon a, once upon a time that she'd been to Portugal. And Gary had been on and had gone on the circle and had said, OK, look for people who have mentioned Portugal, sent out a massive invite to this Portuguese brunch. And uh, she hadn't replied. And she was being disciplined for that. Oh my this, word! It was, I know, and, and Gary's really got close to tears about it, or very oh, sensitive. So, so there's this kind, of, and it's hilarious, but it's this kind of like I don't know where to laugh. Yeah. Be really creeped out by this. Yeah, and and I'm I'm I've not finished the book yet. I'm about two thirds of the way through, but it's a really really biting satire. But what's kind of scary about that is that you start thinking, actually, gosh, this is quite similar to places I may have worked at in the past, or I know people who have worked in these kind of places where. Actually, yeah, it sounds really fun and communal and stuff. But actually, there's a it can easily be interpreted in a kind of a sinister light. And this person, this lead, she becomes very closed off from her family and friends as she starts to embrace the circle. Um, it's really interesting and really mm. funny. Um, mm. I really recommend it. I think for you, in particular, in the line of work you're interested in, I think it'd be very interesting for you to um, to have a look at this mm. uh, and see actually yeah. whether it is actually science fiction or whether actually this is something that will be more and more a part of our society as we become more and more connected. The, the, the big question that's emanated out of this discussion, though, for me is, what's a Portuguese breakfast? I don't know. I've been to Portugal. Actually, we were at Portugal in April, I suppose. What did you have for breakfast? I don't know. What, what did we have for breakfast in Portugal? Everything, apparently. Just everything. <laughs> <laughs> Just everything. Excellent. Had... I saw Baby Driver the other day. Right, OK, so this... This isn't the movie, the animated movie. I've not heard of an animated movie called Baby Driver. There's an You'd... animated movie called Baby Driver where it's got the voice of the guy from 30 Rock. You're talking about Alec Baldwin and you're talking about the film Boss Baby. Yeah. No. Is it not that? No. Uh, do you know what Baby Baby Driver... I, I, can, I think it should almost be a feature when I tell you the name of a film and you have to give it, like we did with The Sniffer... Yeah, and you actually yeah, okay. gave a better plot of the sniffer than the actual sniffer. Yeah, true. So if I I come to you say right studio here, I've got some money. Yeah, make make whatever film you want, but it's got to be called Baby Driver. Baby Driver. What are you thinking? Okay, so have you ever seen uh, the film Look Who's Talking? I have, to my shame. <laughs> right, I've also seen Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking Too. Now, look... <laughs> and is, is the two with double two O's? Yeah, of course it is. Um, so I kind of imagine that it's a bit like Look, Look Who's Talking in that it's a baby that can talk, but humans can't understand the baby. I was thinking more like Taxi Driver, as in, like, it's, it's, the, it's a baby and they have a taxi or an Uber, because it's modern, set in the modern day, and they have lots of, like, fares. They get lots of fares going on, because uh, obviously they're taxi driver and that's how they make their money. But they can't communicate. So, but so because they've got the Uber device, they can they can like take fares. They can do this, you know. They can they can make sure that people pay for all of their stuff. But um, they can't communicate with them. Like so, they get into the car and like they're unable to actually talk and stuff. And people get into the back of the cab and they don't see anybody in the front. But the car starts moving and they're like, oh, I wonder who this is. And they start talking and think, oh, maybe. Maybe it's just somebody who's not very interactive. I just won't bother with because the the baby's like driving just fine, like you know, getting through like the, the the streets of I think it's set in New York, and like that's all that's all fine. They get to the end, and then at the end, whenever they get out, they're like, oh, really rude, and they rate them like two stars out of five. And the whole film is about the baby driver 
attempting to get that coveted five star rating on Uber and how they managed to get around that. To see that there's tension there, there's narrative development. Right. There's, t- there's talking. Yep, talking babies. Yep. It ticks yep. all the boxes. Yes, for me. I it's can see that as being classed as a U, PG, 12, 15, and 18. Yeah. So it and, includes yeah. everyone. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, does not discriminate. Um, baby driver. Uh, well, there's driving involved, but right. um, Baby Driver is Edgar Wright's latest film. You may have seen Edgar Wright's films: uh, Scott Pilgrim, Yep, um, World's End, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. Seen um, those two. Spaced. If you want to go that far back, oh, I like Spaced. Yep. Love Spaced. This is a film that's been cooking away in his head for the last twenty years, and it was he tested the idea out on a music video, Mint Royale music video, with Noel Fielding, Julian Barrett, you know, the Mighty Boosh guys, and Nick Frost, and Michael Smiley. Um, and essentially the film Baby Driver, is set in Atlanta, it's about a baby-faced getaway driver who's called Baby. Um, so, it's, so it's a baby? No, it's not an actual baby. Baby-faced. There's a difference between being baby-faced and being an actual baby. You say it's um, got the face of a baby? No, it's baby face, who's youthful looking. Oh, right, okay. A baby driver, who is the best in the business. And it's about him um, trying to get out of this. It's, always, it's that kind of one last job, trying to get out of this, this occupation he's found himself in, but at the same time trying to um, appease his uh, sinister boss um, and to hook up with this girl he's just met who's um, played by Lily James who works in a diner and to support his um, foster parents and that sounds like a really formulaic plot mm-hmm. but what's very interesting is that it's actually written as a musical heist drama and when I say musical it's not that it's all singing and dancing in this saccharine kind of la la land kind of way in the fact that it has an awesome soundtrack basically Edgar Wright has picked his favourite pieces of favourite tracks from bands that would be great for heists and the premise is that Baby when he was a, a kid his, he was in a car accident which left him with tinnitus in his ears so he hears this kind of constant ringing and to drown out that sound he's got in his ears constantly he's got his headphones plugged into an iPod he's got several iPods and all of his jobs are done to music which only he can hear so everything is synchronised to the music the driving the movements of all the other act, the other characters are synced up to the music. Oh, that's cool. So it, it's really quite cool how they've managed to do it. And they've done, there's no special effects, really. There's no CGI. They did the actual stunts. All the running, all the driving, the, char- the beats of the speech of the characters and their actions are synced up to the music the baby is listening to on his headphones. So sometimes if he's caught out of sync, he'll pause. He'll say, wait, 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 wait. And he'll go on his iPod, rewind it a little bit, and then carry on driving wow um, it's really really interesting uh, it's very unique in that sense it does become quite formulaic in terms of narrative and i'm still a bit divided on it but it's 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 a treat for that really um uh and it has its that slick edgar wright quality with its editing its fast cuts it's kinetic action-packed punchy kind of quality with this wonderful kind of wry humor so um, so there's been two really excellent Car chase movie. I mean, assuming it's, so, it's kind of like a car chase movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted it to be a so I wanted it to be one big car chase, like Mad Max. Right. And actually, the thing that took me out of it was the shift in pace. I didn't want it to be. I didn't want it to have these kind of lulls, this focus on the drama of the characters. I wanted it to be this fast-paced mm. Mad Max-esque car chase. Um, mm. That's what I wanted from it. So I felt a little bit disappointed by that. I was going to compare it with Mad Max, like because Mad Max. Uh, specifically Fury Road like the story is whatever for me I, I was kind of like yeah, yeah like yeah. loads of tropes here you know you can say what you like about you know it's a feminist I can you know feminist icons and like all that sort of like whether or not it is the story is the journey that's a discussion for another time but yes the story is there were some car chases and this is how they happened so for me Fury Road was all about this visual spectacular. Like, yeah, it's a gorgeous you just film. Cannot look, you know, you aren't going to get this looking. You aren't going to see anything like this anywhere else. And with Baby Driver, Baby Driver or Driver Baby, Baby Driver, Baby Driver's your one. Driver Baby's my one. Yeah, Baby Driver. It sounds like 
it's similar in that it's style over substance. Not necessarily as a bad thing, but it's more stylish than it is a good story. It's interesting. Like I think I think the story's quite good. It's just not the one I wanted really. This it like there's some really lovely moments and it's very clever in terms of how it references the its cinematic legacy in terms of car chase films like The Driver and I think there's also references made to the famous car chase in Bullet or The French Connection and things right right um, but I don't really have that knowledge I suppose that cinematic knowledge that large one over my head I I found the story quite overall very broadly speaking it is apart from a decision it makes right at the end which I'm very glad they went down that road it doesn't do anything particularly different other than its presentation style as I said before this music video crossover heist um, that's cool. That's cool. That was staying in with Peter Willington and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, movies, games, and more covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.